and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. My name is Justin Twyford, and I'm joined as always by my friend, co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how are you in Cyprus today? I am very, very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. A bit of deja vu. We tried this the other day and something new. You know, I have multiple recordings of what I do here, just in case something goes wrong. When the entire neighborhood goes uh, blank and we have no power, that is a problem that I had not anticipated. No internet, no power. Um, so we're going to try this again off the top. Well, the, these are these are the challenges we face living as we do in the third world. Oh, no, wait. Oh, well, never mind. A small problem to have in comparison to those that some others are going through at the moment. It does remind you of how privileged we are. For sure. All right, I want to start uh, this week with a quote. Uh, James Clear off his mailing list, uh, which is now last week, had a quote that I thought was really, really relevant to what we talk about. His quote is, more effort is wasted doing things that don't matter than is wasted doing things inefficiently. Elimination is the highest form of optimization. I thought that was pretty profound. Uh, any thoughts on that one? Well, I thought it was an invitation for me to go to the beach. It did actually, coincidentally, uh, somebody else uh, in a Slack that I'm part of quoted something from, from his newsletter. There we are. Good Lord. And enough to make me think, do you know what? I'll go and subscribe to that because it's weekly, which I find sort of slightly less worrisome than daily. There are lots of people who send daily newsletters, which I find quite hard work. Yes. But yeah, it is quite profound, I think. Saying no is one of the hardest and best things you can do to protect your time. For sure. Speaking of saying no, I talked a couple of weeks ago about some of the apps I was using. Uh, one of them, Dalio, it threw up a red notification on my screen. I was kind of debating whether I was going to continue using it. I realized what I was measuring, what I was tracking. I'm not sure if it has, uh, when I started it, it had some value. Uh, I'm not sure if I was doing it out of habit. So I decided to skip up a couple of days and it decided that uh, it liked red dots. Red dots are a no-no on my phone and it got killed very quickly. Nope. So There you go. Death by red dot. Death by red dot. Um, but more than anything, take a look at what you do, what your habits are, and see what really adds value. Talking about it with Stu really had me questioning my own efficiency of why I was doing certain things, and that was the culprit of it. Uh, one of the other things that I invested in was A Year of Calm, which is Stu's favorite uh, meditation app. I was using Insight Timer, which uh, I do like their product offering uh, and their price point because they have a very, very good free tier, unlike Calm. But their audio quality was a little rough in some areas. And I guess since I edit so many podcasts, I've become a bit of an audio snob. I found that I was spending more time, instead of meditating, criticizing the audio levels and the audio recording, and I could have fixed this and I could have fixed that. Um, and that was completely uh, ru ruining the point of trying to meditate at all. So, Calm, here we come. Uh, I'm have mixed feelings about it at the moment, but uh, that's maybe a conversation for Stu and I on a different day. Yeah, I mean, I would say that with with Calm, I do find its um, interface quite clumsy at times, where um, I'm using it 
And then when I finish meditating, it asks me to, or it gives me a quote, which I usually share on my Instagram feed, which then goes to Facebook and all that stuff, um, which is great. But then it's all a little bit awkward getting to the, because we originally started talking about the mood check-in. So there's a little mood check-in where you can select an emoticon. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want, write a, write a quick note. But it, it's all very awkward to get to. <laughs> I keep finding myself lost not quite sure where to get to. Um, but that apart, I mean, I think the audio is lovely. Um, some of the background sounds that you can have, um, you can have none or you can have uh, some sort of atmospheric sounds are really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's kept up to date. So every day is a new meditation. I, I do the daily calm. That's my sort of central thing, which is just a 10 minute meditation. Uh, that's the one with the girl that has vocal fry, right? <laughs> Hi, my name's Tamara Lovett. Welcome to the Daily Calm. Yeah, uh, she's um, she's good, I think. I, I find it quite calming, <laughs> he said, ironically. But there's loads more to it. And I actually got, a few years ago, I got a lifetime deal off them. I can't remember how much it was. I think it came to me via the website. So <laughs> going round, Apple. And it was... You know, incredible value. I can't remember what the yearly cost is, but it's it's not insubstantial from memory. Um, I think I paid something like two two and a bit years worth, and that's me for life. I downloaded it onto onto my iPhone, logged into it, and they sent me an email for fifty percent off the first year, which was enough to get me trying the first year. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll give it a shot. I think it's about eighty bucks Canadian. So probably about uh, $60, $65 US, something around there per year. Uh, Which, if you get your money's worth, you know, half of that, about 30 bucks uh, US, that's not a bad price to try. So if you are are considering it, um, try signing up and then uh, don't do anything with it for a couple of days uh, and they will entice you to sign up. For sure, for sure. Now, I think this came from your original original, uh, note, which was I said, Justin, it's time for an intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that, I mean for, for both of us, because I think we both have a similar view of notifications and that we're allergic to them. And from time to time, I do discover that I have so many notifications turned off that I've made many of my devices uh, unusable. Because I sort of accidentally turn things off like the phone. So <laughs> the phone becomes somewhat useless. And I think there are some notifications that, are really good. I mean, in terms of if you're trying to maintain a streak, then a notification is kind of the idea of the app, isn't it? Is to is to remind you. So what is it that that bugs you the most that you can't sort of select not to be notified or just the very fact that it notifies? There are some notifications that are very, very important. Texts or messages from my wife, uh, those need to be responded to. Uh, under pain of death (laughs) there are other ones that are useless and you don't have the fine control that's one of the problems with ios Mm. you're kind of into all or nothing and certainly why i think i prefer mac os as as my platform of choice um so you know this was a a persistent uh, on dailyo particularly 
the notification was, oh, you may break a streak. Well, I don't care about streaks. I want to do something that adds value when it adds value. We've talked about streaks before. And like you, I'm the kind of person that would blow up a streak just because I don't want to do something just because I have to avoid a red dot. Uh, and the fact that I couldn't turn that off, uh, it had its own view that this was something that you were going to get. You had to work in this particular way. Kind of annoyed me. And as I say, I had missed it on purpose to see what value is this adding to me. But yes, it uh, it is an interesting thing. The, the other problem is, you know, which notifications do you want? I have certain things that are extremely important to me that I have. Uh, I use do, uh, D-U-E, mm-hmm. uh, on my iPhone. Uh, do you use that at all? I do. I have it for a couple of very select, specific tasks, mostly to do with trash. Mm. Trash, uh, yeah, that, you know, my vitamins, things like that, those are things that easily get forgotten. I know this is going to sound crazy. Uh, my daughter has a reptile that gets fed every second day. And trying to remember at the end of the night what day it is, is does he get fed or does he not get fed tonight? Uh, so I put that as a reminder in due, and that way every night or when he's supposed to get fed, he gets fed. And there, there are a few things like that that really works for, but it is very, very persistent. And that's the whole point of it. It's got to be things that are well-scheduled and don't have any level of flexibility in it. Sure. The question comes down to those things that have some flexibility for me. Where do you deal with them? Where do you don't? And I'm going to talk about that a little bit in my tool of the week and what I've, what I've kind of done to resolve some of these issues uh, for me anyway. All right. God, tell me then, what is this tool of the week? Okay. Well, my tool of the week is Keyboard Maestro. Do you use that at all, Stu? No, I, I, I think I downloaded it once and started looking at it. I may even have looked at, um, I'm sure David Sparks has done a field guide on it. Yeah, he has. Um, and I just, I just thought, oh, the, no, no, I'm feeling a bit intimidated. My, my, my mind is melting and sort of backed away quietly. So I've, I've, I've flirted with the concept, let's put it that, that way, but no further. Mm-hmm. And I get that. The whole thing started was I got vaccinated uh, now a weekend and a half ago, and I was feeling a little under the weather, and I missed uh, editing audio for one of the shows that I edit on a timeline that I usually do it. And so I was running a bit late on it, and that created some problems. Mostly because I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't looking at my devices and looking for my task manager or anything like that. I just kind of, I knew it was something to do, but I was feeling so, so crappy that I just kind of forgot about it. Um, What I've done since then to avoid that is I've created some keyboard maestro routines uh, using startup and shutdown automations to automatically load my task manager so that I have to look at it. And before I dismiss it, I get to see it and, and uh, remind myself of anything that I've just ignored. It's a little kludgy, but uh, you know, before I could shut down my computer, it pops up and it says, hey, you need to review this. Uh, and it's kind of some slick automation that uh, was very, very quick to set up in Keyboard Maestro. Um, so it automatically will hide all my apps and load up just my task manager and force me to review it again a couple of times a day. I thought it was a pretty good way to do it, and I think it'll fix my problem. But um, we will see how that goes. Automation to try and avoid that. But yeah, I think the reliance 
on something that is easy to dismiss. Uh, task managers are good in some ways, but if you ignore them, you can miss them quite easily. Yeah, I mean, I think automation is probably a good solution to this. I mean, it, it's the sort of thing where actually you want to maybe go a bit further and and have a um, a sort of you know man down button that you can press so that um, you know a, a task comes up, you're not going to be able to get to it because you you know you feel rotten. So you hit a button and that messages the the people who are going to be affected and reschedules the task. You know, you could get into some real funky stuff here, but I guess it would be quite complicated to do and something that probably, well, touch wood, doesn't occur that often. It's, uh, you know, it's a rare occurrence that, you know, we're so uh, incapacitated as to be able, unable to do the things that we want to do. But yeah, I think it's a good answer. It's always a fun one too. You know, I think this is sort of an exceptional case, but I think the reality was that I did not look at my task manager to trigger the fact of the event. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, which is a little different than choosing not to do it. Indeed. It completely fell off my radar and this is a way to make sure it doesn't. So we're, we're trying it. It's a keyboard maestro. It's a little overlay that allows you to run certain things based on specific keyboard commands you could, that you can program in, uh, time of day. Um, it could do all kinds of wonderful things. So if you haven't, haven't got it, uh, it is kind of a cool tool for a lot of things. Excellent. What's uh, your tool of the week, Stu? Uh, it's an unusual one for me, and it was a, it was my tool for last week. It's no longer valid this week. However, um, what I wrote was government restrictions. So last week, Cyprus uh, was still in lockdown. And so the deal was that you could leave your house once per day, mm-hmm. and you could go out. Uh, you'd need to send an SMS for permission, and you could go out once for a maximum of three hours. Um, now, as listeners will know, I'm I'm quite fond of a game of golf. And so I'd worked out that nine holes of golf on my local course is about two hours, and the course is a 25-minute drive away. So there's not an awful lot of headroom there, but you can get it done. So I can drive to the course, play nine holes and drive back mm. within the three hours. But you have to be absolutely on the nose. You can't leave too early because my usual MO is that I, I leave early, I get to the course, I have a chat with the guys in the pro shop. Uh, I like to chew the fat and hang out, maybe even practice. All of that had to go. This had to be focus, 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 focus. And it did get me thinking actually how much time sort of gets swallowed up in between things by the way that we tend to organize things and say, okay, well, I'm going to do this. And, you know, we might put aside four hours, five hours for something that actually only takes two hours. But there's this sort of, you know, fat on either side where we're really not doing very much, but just taking things easy. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But it did occur to me that there's probably a little bit more time in my life available for things than than perhaps I believe at times. Um, so that was good. That got me really focused. And then this week, there are no restrictions. So ah. I can go and spend hours there if I want, which is, is nice. 18 holes. Yeah, it will be 18 holes for me tomorrow morning as we record. Yay. Mm. 
Do you do the front nine or the back nine? Uh, well, generally I do as I'm told. Why do I not believe that, Stu? <laughs> well, uh, the course that I've joined recently, I only joined this uh, last September, is a buggy-only course, and I traditionally like to walk a golf course. I'm, I'm an old-fashioned golfer. I like to put the bag on my back and just walk around. But you can't do that on this golf course because there are some there's a, there's a huge ravine that goes down the middle of it, and one of the drives is like three kilometers from the the green to the next tee. Oh wow! Uh, and if you're waiting for everybody to walk three kilometers, then it takes a bit of a while. So it's it's mandatory buggy. You can walk the back nine. So uh, sometimes I'm allowed early in the morning. I'm allowed to go and walk the back nine. Hmm. Um, but if you're playing eighteen, you have to get out on the buggy, which. I'm, I'm not getting any younger. That's probably no bad thing, particularly in the summer because it gets really, really hot now. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you've got the hot and cold or, or the cold running tap on the buggy, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we get we get a, get a little icebox with some water in it. Um, I, I've played golf a couple of times in the States where you have, you know, um, sort of beverage carts coming around with cold beverages, both adult and refreshing, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is... is I've, potentially a very dangerous thing for me <laughs> um so no i'm i'm strictly teetotal on the golf course i have to say uh when i used to play it was uh we'd get a morning uh tea off and with a group of guys i worked with and one of them would always have uh the flask of mimosas <laughs> yeah i mean i suppose given that i came i came from the uk it tended to be sort of warming beverages like brandy or whiskey where we were playing but yeah in the sun i could see a little mimosa is not a bad way to start the day yeah it was a great way to get your morning orange juice Uh, anyway (laughs) absolutely so what are we talking about today Uh, we're going to talk about accountability and perhaps some of the challenges uh, that come with there from 360 degree reviews to accountability partners systems exist to help us stay accountable to our goals and to the things that need to be done working largely independently makes things more difficult so the question that i wanted to talk about was how do we stay accountable what systems do we use and do we have any accountability partners any thoughts on the topics, Stu? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those topics that my position has evolved, um, I suppose, along with how my own sort of work, creative life has evolved. So from a, a sort of bare bones, I'm my job title used to be Group Operations Director. So I was a god for short, but I was a, a nuts and bolts guy. Um, and the only thing really that I would pay any attention to uh, was results, results, or results. Purely and simply, I think there was a movement around at the time um, where there was a lot of sort of HR-driven, you know, you need to look at effort and you need to look at attitude, um, which I think, you know, there's very valid and those are very important elements to look at in developing people. They are not... um, particularly important in accountability. Mm -hmm. Accountability is getting the stuff done that needs to get done, and it's either done or it isn't. (laughs) It's a very definite yes or no. So that that was where I came from, and I was probably, I imagine, quite difficult to work for in that respect. Some people loved it. Some people absolutely wanted to be held accountable in that way. They've either done the work or they haven't. They've got the result or they haven't. 
others who perhaps were looking for more sort of mentorship development would find that a little bit difficult. Um, and I suppose my business partner at the time would, would, would say probably I was a stronger mentor than I was results guy. So I, I liked to think of it as an iron fist in a velvet glove. That was the <laughs> phrase that, that we used to use, um, which is just, you know, to try and, and, and be uh, encouraging uh, and, and help people along. But at the same time, let them know that it is results. That there's a luxury in looking at effort that entrepreneurs don't have. Um, effort won't pay the bills. And if you're an entrepreneur, then um, you almost certainly have your, you know, your bills on the line <laughs> each month. So I, I still believe that to a large extent. I think that, you know, that we have to be very careful not to get um, distracted away from results. What about you? How did you how do you look at accountability? I mean, results are certainly a big thing, but uh, accountability and part of the reason I wanted to discuss this, I'm rethinking the strategic corporate goals and mm -hmm. objectives and a standard review processes, whether it's a 360 or a more traditional level. I'm just not sure that those are the most important way to get metrics. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you've ever used anything like that, Stu, in your experience. Uh, but mine is, you know, usually uh, corporate will have cascading goals. That's always a, the joke that uh, comes out. And usually they're coming out late, so nobody ever knows what they're doing for the month of January. Uh, but the corporate goals are never particular they're, they're results oriented in a certain way but they're checklist goals that have to encompass uh you know core competencies is always one of those wonderful words that gets thrown around mm -hmm. i'm not sure that they always focus on results you know they're they're on a process the goals and objectives that tend to get set well there's a bunch of activity on those in the middle of june and there's a bunch of activity on those at the end of november and unfortunately they get put into, in a lot of organizations, compensation-based calculations. And I'm not sure that really is the best way. Uh, I look at the way I manage now in a smaller organization where I have a lot more autonomy on how I want to do a review process. And I've kind of pulled away for those. You know, I, I think uh, mentoring, which is time-consuming, uh, and been results focused is a much better way for me to manage. However, you know, I don't have a large team of people doing similar works that can be easily benchmarked against each other. Mm. You know, I'm dealing with much smaller, smaller groups in, in the past. I think there's, there's pros and cons to it. Um, but the idea uh, and I think the, the, the term I chose for this accountability is really, you're accountable for the results and for the effort and, you know, self, self-determination in some ways, what do you want to get out of that rather than a system forcing you to, uh, to work in a certain way and hit certain organizational objectives. Not that those are bad and everybody should be aligned with those anyway. But the reason to align with them can't be just to cross off a, a checkbox on a form at the end of the year. 
Yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I've been doing some more thinking about accountability of late because of this sort of role that I'm fulfilling for a, for a partner, which is, you know, quite corporate. And they've taken um, some interesting views. They're, they're trying to affect change within the organisation and, and in some small way I'm part of that. But um, they have, they've made some decisions or I've become aware of some decisions that have been made in the past that, make me feel as a consultant a little uncomfortable so i heard in a in a meeting well done for so and so as they've taken on responsibility for their own progression and they've reached out to the training team and they've asked the training team to listen to some calls and uh, and we've scored them against this and scored them and that's great now offering people the opportunity to do that i think is a fabulous thing um but there's a little part of me that says, well, has the management of the company now just delegated responsibility for development onto the developees? Mm-hmm. Um, have they sort of abrogated their responsibility to a certain extent? And I think they have. And and there's a there's an element of, you know, that then coming back in reviews of, well, you didn't go and get yourself trained. I'm, I'm old-fashioned enough to think that if I believe my team should benefit from the training, then it's it's down to me to A, organize it, and B, push them to it. And I think accountability in the broad sense is very, very powerful. But when narrowing it down, corporates must be very careful. I witnessed something the other day where a team, various levels within the organization, was asked to sort of perform an exercise, uh, a group exercise that was being recorded for other people in the team. Um, So it was all around pricing and how pricing should work. Mm -hmm. uh, And there was a little bit of sort of competitive analysis. And I listened to what must have been one of the most awkward exchanges I've ever heard as various people on various, you know, desks through teams we're saying, well, you know, I, I think competitor A does that quite well. And then their boss would come in and say, yeah, but not as well as us. <laughs> and, you know, then then you just sort of hear tumbleweed blowing through the room as everything's okay. So it's not acceptable to say that. Mm-hmm. And just gradually the whole conversation sort of became more and more stilted. And there's a definite element of... Uh, there's been a lot of work done around the, the growth mindset, which I'm sure is, is something that you, you're familiar with. Carol Dweck, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> but, but to the extent that everybody is now terrified of demonstrating that they don't have the growth mindset. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's become a sort of uh, censorship tool where people, if people are unhappy or disagree with something, rather than sort of bringing that up in, a, in an open exchange and a sort of learning environment, they think, oh, no, I can't say that because that would, that would sort of point me out as not having a growth mindset. And those things, I think, really worry me when I see them in a company because they, they're, they're almost cult-like. <laughs> it's quite scary. Whereas real accountability, I think, is, um, for, for me, honesty is, is that the center of that. Accountability is being able to turn around and put your hand up and say, yeah, I didn't do the things that 
I was supposed to do. And yet, surprise, surprise, that's why I haven't got the results that we thought I should get. And it's being able to say that without that resulting in a disciplinary action, without without your boss going, well, you know, you're, you're a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Because what, what needs to be explored there is, you know, why is that happening? And that's where the mentoring and the other work, I think accountability and honesty bring out those training requirements. They bring out competence issues. They bring out performance issues, all of those things. But without a sort of real honesty, I don't think they work at all. And I, I wrote an example, which I listened to the other day. I'm, I'm, you may have done this or not, but on your Apple Watch now, there is time to walk if you're an Apple Watch person. And it's interesting people going for a walk. And they sort of just sort of burble away and you walk along and there's some very nice sort of soundscapes as people walk around their, their local parks or their local cities. And I was listening to Wanda Sykes, who's not somebody I'm familiar with, but um, apparently if you watch US TV, you know who Wanda Sykes is, Um, a comedian. Okay. I've never heard of her. Who used to work at the NSA. Okay. She's uh, one of America's most funny women, I read somewhere. And she she certainly was very entertaining on this little sort of 20 minute uh, chat. Uh, She used to work at the NSA and she phoned her boss. And said, I'm too happy to come to work today. Do you have happy leave? <laughs> and her boss just laughed and said, you know what? You've been so honest. Have a, have a fantastic happy day. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> that, that, that to me is accountability. It's that honesty where you can, you can turn to your boss and just say, you know, I, I can't do it today for whatever reason. And, and your boss can not just accommodate that, but the relationship is such that the boss can go, do you know what, I think this is a real thing. This is genuine. And that sort of works both ways where, you know, the, the next day you really are on and you really can get things done. So I'm, I'm sort of burbling a little bit because I think there's so much in accountability that mm-hmm. it, can, it can become very can be a very positive thing and it can be a very negative thing so your first note the second word was 360 and i i sort of twitched <laughs> 360 reviews um i remember i remember them being in in a company that i worked for once and they were, <laughs> they were vicious unpleasant things and you know required a sort of committee to manage them it was it was so difficult and problematic so where have you tumbled? Where where are you sort of drifting towards now? I am drifting towards uh, accountability is 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 a tough word, but especially after a year of working from home, if somebody can get the job done, I'm much more impressed with that. Whether somebody can put a bum in a chair for eight hours a day, you know. Yep. Um, I'm much more flexible for what those results look like. Here's what we need to do. How do we get that? How do we improve our processes? How do we improve that? But uh, be more of a, a support mechanism and a mentoring mechanism for my staff and myself 
to put accountability. What do I need? To, what do I need to do? What do my staff need to do? And rather than me telling them what they need to do and giving them a formal process, you need to do this. You need to do this. Here's where we need to go to. Here's some areas we need because there's always if you're uh, certainly hypercritical of yourself, you can always look at areas that you can improve. But I think coming up with a way that people are invested in the process of bringing their best self in whatever way of flexibility that looks like. And, and that to me includes not having defined office hours. Here's a period of time I'd like to be available if I need to get a hold of you, but I don't really mind if you get up at three o'clock in the morning and work, or if you work at uh, noon that day and you've slept in as long as the work gets done. And, and that's a kind of a, a an odd translation or an odd difference, if you will, than the traditional route where everybody's in the office at the same time and you're going to be doing this and you're going to be doing, you know, most offices you come into the office and by the time somebody gets a cup of coffee and they say good morning to everybody on their way back to their desk or hang around the water cooler, you're losing a half hour of effective time anyway. And you know, all of these distractions, let's have a meeting while well, 10 minutes before the meeting, everybody's gathered in the meeting room, having a, a, a chat. Um, mm -hmm. it's so easy to lose time and lose focus and get distracted that I think with giving people the ability to be self-driven, self accountable, there is a way for people to not only feel that they're doing the best job, but also to give them the autonomy as well as the accountability. Here's what you need to do. You figure out the best way to do it. And if that is somebody can write an Excel script or, uh, you know, write, uh, go back to keyboard maestro and write something that pops up to remind them to do certain things. If it gets the job done, that's much more important than how the job gets done. Um, you know, corporate goals, I, I get it from large organizations, but the implementation of those, like the 360s and the smart goals, I, I'm not sure they ever really bring the value. Mm -hmm. I'm looking into more of a sprint-based opportunities. Have you ever read the 12-week year? Uh, the 12-week, yes, I have, yeah, yeah. You know, where you're really looking at, instead of trying to bring the entire year where people only work on objectives, corporate objectives at the end of the year, bring that into a small period of time, three months, where you work on one or perhaps two big items in addition to your regular work. I think there's value in that. And I'm certainly exploring that and trying to come up with better ways to do that. More importantly, I think the systems that we have in a lot of organizations, the 360s, the smart goals, th those kind of things, I, I don't think they, they work well. The results are not consistent. They're not always uh, the best thing for the company. They could be a distraction in some ways to what really is the most important part. Um, I, you've run businesses there can be an overarching trajectory that you want to go. But at the end of 2019, where if we were in a corporate environment and setting our corporate goals for 2020, 
um, how do you evaluate what happened in 2020? Mm. You know, the entire landscape for many businesses shifted. And, you know, how do you then come back and evaluate somebody and hold somebody accountable to those goals? Do we need something that is more fluid? Um, but, you know, again, results are certainly the best way to go that. How do we communicate those? Who gets those results? How do people's work fall into those? And more importantly, what's the feedback loop? How do people get the feedback for what they do? It's, it's a big question. That's kind of why I wanted to talk about it. Something that you said earlier that sort of triggered me a little bit is it, I'm fascinated to see how um, companies that I'm involved with, some of them have taken the pandemic as, as a great opportunity to reevaluate what they do and how they do it, as you suggest. And then others have tried to do that, but let themselves be a little bit shackled by the old thinking. So, um, you know, this poor old company that I'm doing a lot of work for gets a lot of, lot of grief from me. They're a great company, but okay, we're going to have a morning huddle on, on Teams. And so I'll go back and say, why? And they'll say, well, you know, so that we can sort of, you know, hold each other accountable for what we're, what we're doing. And I said, well, fine, I'll drop you a note. These are the things I'm going to do today. <laughs> and everybody else can do that too. And then we can, as you say, maybe save the 15 minutes of, did you watch so-and-so on TV last night? And um, Plus the fact we're in different time zones. Um, there are different people getting up at different times, doing different things. You know, somebody's sort of golden hour for, for creative work or selling might be at X o'clock and somebody else might be at Y o'clock. You know, what is the point of interrupting all that? <laughs> we, we have asynchronous communication. We have things like, you know, dare I say it, Basecamp or um, Teams where you can, you can drop a note. Mm -hmm. Basecamp is actually ideal for this, despite all the problems they're having at the moment. And, and you know, all the, uh, all the competitors to them do it as well. I mean, I'm using ClickUp at the moment. And although I would have some feelings about the, uh, the interface, um, <laughs> there, are, there, there are ways that you can have a little check-in. You know, you can just let people know what you're up to, what you're doing, uh, which I think is great for accountability. Mm -hmm. But what I'm most fascinated by is that some companies have gone, okay, actually, we don't need to talk to each other every four hours. What we need to do is set out for ourselves and for our colleagues what we're doing and then touch back on that at some point. And it doesn't need to be synchronous. It doesn't need to be taking out other people's time because, frankly, I don't care what Joe's doing or what Jane is doing or what Dave is doing. They, they, you know, they're smart people. They've got their talent. They know what they need to do. Let them get on with it. And then, yeah, maybe once a week. It is worth having, okay, guys, let's kick back for half an hour. What have we been doing? What have we been up to? What's gone well? What's gone badly? Blah, blah, blah. Let people have a little bit of a wine, a winch. Once. Not every day, or twice a day, or three times a day in some teams. And there are some companies I think have gone bang. Okay, this is great. We'll we'll go asynchronous, and when we need to do synchronous conversation, we have the tools available. We can set up a call. I can send an invitation saying I'd like to speak to you. Uh, you know, tomorrow if tomorrow ten doesn't work, you come back to me. And give me another time. You know, you can work stuff out. But mostly, in terms of our accountability, we'll. We'll do it asynchronous. And I think that's so much more efficient. 
Um, and it just makes me laugh when you see companies try and recreate those pointless status <laughs> meetings um, online. Okay, so we can't all get to the office and waste time, but we can still do it together online, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm currently wrestling with ways to communicate this to companies I'm working with saying, look, I, I don't know how best to say this to you, but your town hall meeting is, is effectively corporate masturbation. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's no good for anybody who's, who's not doing it. So 90% of us who are there are just going, this is really boring. I don't want to hear that you did 27% versus 28% last week. I'm not interested. I don't care. Are things going okay? Good. Let's move on. That <laughs> is trying to get that across to people without causing great offense. But um, you're right. That th the opportunity that comes from the pandemic, um, and clearly there have been lots of negative things, but the positive thing that come from the pandemic is that understanding of actually what, what buttons do we need to press? What things do we need to keep hold of? And what things do we need to let go? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's the 21st century. And, you know, you and I are talking about the ins and outs of business accountability across oceans. I'm sitting in, in, in my home, you're sitting in yours. Um, it's all much, much easier and much more doable than it ever was. Yeah. What do you think uh, is going to happen? Are people going to go back to the way things were after the world kind of gets some semblance of normality to it? Or do you think that this change will stay? Um, in true consultant fashion, I'll, I'll say a bit of both. Um, I mean, I think for some, um, I, I was going to say something pejorative about boomers or generation, uh, X or generation Z. Um, it's not necessarily an age thing, but I think certainly people I've worked with in the past are uncomfortable with the idea of home working. Mm -hmm. They feel that, that, um, I don't know that they find it difficult to buy into this. Only the results matter sort of, sort of culture. They know I want to see that people are working. Um, however, I think most corporates are looking and going, okay, there are elements where, it's great to get people together and talking and exchanging. And there are other things that work really well remotely. And most things fall in the middle and need a bit of both. So, you know, can we have smaller office space and save ourselves huge, you know, costs whilst giving employees something that they would see as beneficial? I think it's 65%, I think the last survey I saw, 65% of people would rather either work at home all the time or part of the time. Mm -hmm. I think there's only 22% who really want to go back to the office. They're the ones with more children at home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and there, there are loads of complications in this. I mean, if you, if you are going to have your people work at home, then as a company, I think you, you have to, to do right by them and you have to make sure that they have all of the material they need, that it is a good working environment for them. Mm -hmm. um, and if they've got, you know, a really small house or a, a small apartment of four kids, uh, who are not yet of school age, you know, these things need to be factored in because as you say, some people need a break away from the home to be able to do their best work. And a good employer should be able to provide pretty much that environment. And employers need to be generous with their benefits and say, okay, so you need 5,000 bucks to get yourself up. That's what you need. And, and let's get it done because I'm sure they're saving much more than that than in, uh, 
office costs and all of the associated costs that go with it. So I, th- I think a lot of people will will go partial. That would be my guess, you know, who are going to go into the office on a, uh, on a Tuesday or on a Wednesday, but every other day they're going to be at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there will be some, some people who work out that their highly paid corporate job they can actually get done in eight hours. <laughs> and they're just going to chill out for the rest of the week. Who knows? Yeah, I'm. I've sort of gone to the couple of days in the office. I check in with the office. The office about a fifteen minute drive. My main office from where I am. So I'll check in a couple of times a week, and then one day I will go and spend a, a good part of the day there. And that has been very, very effective as sort of a blended work from home, be in the office when I need to be. Uh, part of that is um, some of the people are old school and, you know, if you're not uh, having FaceTime, you're not necessarily working regardless of, you know, whatever else. It it, it just avoids some of the the tension to have people with, with access at least once a, once a week to an in-face uh, meeting, you know, socially distanced meeting. And I can see that for a lot of organizations. Managers tend to be a fearful lot in a lot of ways, uh, you know, worried that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and therefore it's going to come back and bite me in the butt kind of thing. And I think that is, it's, it's unfortunately the wrong attitude to take with developing people, but you know, that is the reality of corporate, uh, the corporate world. A lot of big companies have that mentality you were you know referring to the boomers and the generation x uh, we a lot of us grew up in those big organizations that mm-hmm. that had those limitations on it and if you weren't in your seat you were not working and you know that that was part of it for sure so it's it's a it's a tough one i'm i'm not sure that is the best way to to go about that yeah no i think the the point i was going to make was um this is a massive opportunity for the corporate world mm-hmm. because much of the things that um, I think have been wrong about work, if I can use the, the sort of generic, um, because of the culture that you've been part of and I've been part of where, you know, you get there first, you stay there last, um, you, you tumble out of the office uh, into the bar with uh, the other movers and shakers and you create this sort of culture and this political environment. Um, and through that, uh, everybody promotes each other and it just becomes quite literally, I think a boys club Mm -hmm. because while we're doing all that, then the, the women that we love are going home and doing a full day's work, then going home and doing a full day's work in keeping the home together and being the primary carer for, for the kids. And, they're not getting promoted because, you know, they're not there at nine o'clock and they're not in the bar with us. Mm-hmm. And because we've, you know, created an environment that specifically excludes them. <laughs> um, we now have an opportunity to say, as you say, look, this person works, you know, those hours and these hours is a full-time dad to his kids and or, or a mother to her kids. And they they fit their life together as they see fit and as works and it gives everybody an opportunity mm-hmm. to to contribute um in the best way for them and i think that's a huge 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 opportunity my my old business partner and i were sort of reverse reverse bro culture we we sat there 
when we were building our business and when looking at the UK talent pool, there, there is a massive well of talent called women mm. who are underrepresented in our business. We were in financial services because there was this culture of being first in and last out and going to the, you know, beers and all that stuff. And we, we felt we had a great opportunity to find, if we could offer flexible working conditions, we would find people out there who were fantastically good at their job and undervalued. And we did. And we, you know, all of our senior management positions were filled by women who did fantastic work. And I think, you know, we need to get rid of that un uneven playing field now and say, look, we've demonstrated through this pandemic that you don't need to have fixed rules around working times and working places. You can, you can be flexible, you can make things work so that nobody is disadvantaged. And I think that's a massive opportunity, not just for equality, which I think is a good thing, but because you, you're going to double the available talent. Mm -hmm. Because for every man who does a great job, there's a, there's a woman out there who can do the same or better, I guarantee you. Yeah, and does somebody in this taking a seat for eight hours actually do the best job? You know, this is a great opportunity to bring in different ways of doing things. You know, um, perhaps a uh, somebody that has childcare, you know, they need to drop off their child at, uh, at school or pick up their child from school. You know, that it doesn't mean that they can't work. It just means that they've got maybe a half hour unavailability in a day. Who cares? You know, uh, when you're sitting in an office, that becomes much more of a challenge. Yeah. You know, and, and that can be of, of any sex or gender or, um, you know, whatever that is. Um, you know, it could even be kids or even puppies. Uh, you know, I spend sure. far too much time uh, looking after Coco during the day when she wants attention. Uh, so it's, it's, yeah, it really is a good thing. Uh, again, I think the idea of accountability though, is that focus on results. That's really, I think what we're, we're kind of agreeing on that the process is less important than the result. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think a tiny example would be Nero's notes, um, where there is one employee, the mighty Claire, um, and the way that worked out was we had a chat. Um, guess what she, I met her because she played golf with my wife. There we go. That's how we met. <laughs> and she was looking to, she was running her own business. She was running a, uh, a cafe. So, you know, making cakes and selling coffees ah. and she was, uh, she was doing really well at it, but she just, she was exhausted. She was getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning. She, she's a mum, uh, the mighty Molly and she was then baking cakes during the afternoon when the cafe was closed to sell in the cafe the next morning. And it was, you know, it's all just hugely hard work. And we spoke and I said, look, I need somebody for um, a few hours a day, uh, essentially to package and, and dispatch orders for an online stationery store. She went, okay, what time? I said, I don't care. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not bothered. Um, we have an office that, you know, I used to commute to, but I was doing all sorts of things there. And all I was trying to do really was just delegate out the packaging of, and, and dispatch of all those goods. I said, well, what time do you want to come? I said, I don't care. You can come in the morning, you can come in the afternoon. I said, the one thing I'm interested in is that if somebody orders on a Monday, I would like their order to go out on a Tuesday at the latest. She went, okay. And came back to me and said, because of, you know, school, school runs and stuff, I'd like to work from this time to that time. So great. She said, well, you know, do do you, you know, how do I check in and check? I said, you don't. Yeah. You tell me that you're coming to work. I believe you. 
Um, you know, if I'm here, I'm here. If I'm not, I'm not. And I said, you know, we can keep each other informed of what we're doing. But, you know, if, if you don't turn up at nine o'clock, but, but rather at 10 o'clock, you're not going to put, <laughs> it's not going to bother me. I'm, I, I'm not interested in supervising that because I don't think it's worth it. You're a, you're a grown up person. We've agreed that this is what needs to happen. Uh, and that's worked for us for several years. And it's, it's changed because Claire is one of those really, really strange people. She runs for pleasure. <laughs> And, you know, she'll, she'll be doing training for half marathons, marathons, and she'll just say to me, oh, I'm going to work, you know, these hours and those hours. And I go, yeah, cool, knock yourself out. <laughs> Whatever work. Because, you know, I know she's invested in the business. Here's your key to the office. Help yourself out. Yeah. Yeah, quite. <laughs> um, I know she's invested in the business. I know she cares as much as I do. Uh, and, and it works superbly for her and for me. And I get, you know, um, an extremely high quality partner in the business that, that I wouldn't get. If I was saying, okay, I need someone who works from this time to that time, we'll do this and we'll do that. Um, and tr it's much, much harder to translate that sort of loose arrangement to a, to a larger company. Of course it is, but it is possible. Mm -hmm. And when I look at companies that I'm working with, the ones that are most successful tend to be the ones that are flatter and the more compressed um, sort of management levels. So you know, the people at, at the coalface um, are not far removed from the people at the very top of the company. The the more hierarchical things get, the more problems I think come up. The more interest in process and you know this person's a hard worker. How do you know this person's a hard worker? Well, she's always here first. Mm, okay, I'm nervous now. <laughs> you know, what time somebody gets up doesn't doesn't say how hard they work. So yeah, I, I think we we are agreed. It's all about results. Yeah. It's not about process. But trying to translate that into something that's manageable and something you can be consistent with at work in a larger organization that's tough. I mean, that really is tough. I mean, do you have you know daily huddles and that sort of thing in, in your businesses? No, I don't. I have a weekly uh, time that I have set up for a check in. Uh, that seems to work fine. You know, there's certain uh, weekly deliverables that get uh, passed between us, um, you know, but I, I'm not worried, like you, I'm not particularly worried about what time somebody comes in, how long they take for a lunch, what time they leave. I'm worried about here's what you need to do in the best possible way. Have you done it? Mm -hmm. To me, and unfortunately, I'm going to completely go against the average corporate mentality. If somebody can take an eight-hour job and they can do it in five hours, it doesn't matter if they're the first person in or not. They're actually the better worker and they have potentially some capacity for improvements. Sure. Because they, have, they can build in systems that are much more efficient. Just because somebody works 12 hours a day does not make them... Uh, efficient. It does not necessarily make them better at anything. Maybe they just don't want to go home. Maybe they, you know, there's, there's so many different metrics that we use, you know, maybe it's somebody that likes meetings. Um, I, I think we can get rid of a lot of the meetings uh, and come up with better ways to do that <laughs> and focus on, on the jobs that we need to do. I, I, I have to warn you here. <laughs> just because you, you've taken you've taken a Stuart line there where you say you know meetings are predominantly a waste of time which I agree with 100% I think if we all had no meetings we'd be a lot better off than, than where we are now <laughs> but um I was talking to 
uh, someone who's going to be a supplier to to Nero's notes, you you would know this person. You're in the same slack. <laughs> and um, I was asking about whether we we would uh, supply his notebooks. He came back and said, "Well, do you, do you think we can have a meeting? I know you hate meetings." <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 it's okay. Some meetings are okay. Sometimes it's good to talk. Sorry, but I interrupted your flow. No, no, I, I, and I agree. I agree. There, there are a time and a place for meetings, but if you have a recurring meeting on your, on your calendar, you need to look at that and say, what are we, what are we really talking about? You know, there is this daily huddle, you know, maybe there's a reason to do that on a daily, weekly, monthly base as a check-in. As an accountability partner, yeah, that's kind of something that I want to talk about in a minute as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's that's something for mentoring, for access. You know, a meeting to me is a, it has to be very defined. What are we trying to accomplish? What do you, you, you come to a meeting, you don't have a lot of questions unless they're very pointed questions because you've done the homework ahead of time. That's what a meeting is, not just a, hey, let's sit and tell everybody what's going on. You know what? Send me a memo. I can read that. Uh, send me an email and go to my junk folder and I can read that if it's important. I, I, I know that sounds a little arrogant, but I really do think that a lot of organizations spend a lot of time on status meetings that uh, a system doesn't, you know, it's, it's nice to know what this team's doing, what that team's doing. But certainly if we, if we create some internal systems, uh, we could, uh, we could save a whole lot of useless time. Mm. Uh, I'm lucky. I don't do a lot of teams meetings and zoom meetings and those kind of things. I, I can work quite independently. I'm old school. Uh, phone call works just as well as a meeting. I don't have to see somebody to know that uh, they're sitting at their desk. They could be going for a walk with their dog. And if we're talking work, it, it is the same level of here's a conversation. Here's what we need to do. Check-ins are good, but, um, you know, they can be overdone. And I think everybody needs to look at their, their calendar of what they do and pick something that is, is good enough for everybody. It's good enough so that people don't feel isolated. I mean, that's part of it as well. You know, you've got to make sure that you, if you're a leader, you have a system that people can get a hold of you. Nothing worse than... Uh, a leader creating a, a roadblock and then you having to sit back and do nothing waiting for that project's at a dead end until I need some external validation or direction or uh, approval in, in a lot of cases. Uh, that that could be a huge barrier to uh, internal motivation and internal productivity. And, and I think that uh, meetings really need to be looked at very closely. Yeah, I agree. If 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 it's um if it's a regular meeting, then I question if you need it. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some times you you know like a um, a check in on a weekly basis with your staff, sure. so they're not just left swimming on their own, thinking, "Hey, what am I doing?" Uh, I like the office hours that we've talked about before, where you can avoid some of those. Hey, if you've got anything you want to talk about here's a time of the day or the week that I'm going to be open. Feel free to reach out to me. Uh, We can have some real time. Hey, let's have a chat. If you want, there's something on your mind. There's something that you need. There's something you want to follow up on. There's a question about a process that you don't really understand. Having that opportunity, even if it's not used to say, 
here's a time that we can do it if you have something you want to talk about. And that goes both ways. I think it worked really, really well. Uh, because I think there's nothing worse than a staff member left on their own waiting for a reply, especially if it's really not that important. Yeah. If you haven't delegated the correct amount of, of autonomy uh, to go with the accountability that you're trying to put on somebody. Sure. I mean, I think, you know, all of these things we, we have to frame in the, in the, the restraints that exist. So each person is individual, um, different people at different levels within the organization. Um, will have differing degrees of autonomy and experience to, to exercise that autonomy. And, you know, I'm, I'm very conscious that it, it's, it behoves me uh, as the senior person in some of these interactions, at least, to, to make those things happen rather than, um, I think I was guilty as a younger manager of saying, you know, my door is always open, which is code for um, leave me alone, I'm working. <laughs> Because, you know, a, a younger member of staff who perhaps is a little intimidated by you or d doesn't know you or, you know, unsure of themselves quite naturally because they're younger and less experienced, um, they're unlikely to precipitate that type of conversation. And so it's down to me just to check in with them and make sure that they're happy, they've got everything they need to, to you know, achieve the things that you've asked them to achieve. Um, whereas... You know, with a more senior person, you, I think you can turn around to them and say, look, I'm there. I'm going to let you get on with whatever you need to do. You do it. You need me. You shout. If you don't shout, it's your fault. And, and you can have that conversation, but you can't do that with someone who's, you know, junior in the organization and, and perhaps going to be intimidated by that. Yeah, the power dynamics really are something as, as leaders in organizations you need to think about, um, even as a leader in an organization, there's always, well, unless you're stew and, uh, have your own business, there's always somebody above you too. So sure. part of that is managing up ways. What is the best way to be approachable uh, and to approach your manager as well? You've really got to sort of think about that, hmm. uh, in terms of what, what really is the expectation? What's the best way to work? You know, some, I, I love to, to do this. I can only control my teams. I can't always control what's above me, you know, and, and that, that can be a challenge. But again, if you can think of the best way to do that, what's the best way to reach them? Is it an email? Is it a Slack message? Is it a phone call? Is it a weekly meeting? You know, how can I add value to that person's uh, role and responsibilities within an organization? Certainly a good way to think about uh, managing up, up and down. I, I think one of the biggest problems that we tend to do in large organizations is we assume that the system will work for us. Uh, we do have to take a lot of accountability for how we manage above us as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think I've, I've always um, made people laugh when I say, like, you know, managing people beneath you is easy. It's managing the ones above you that's the challenge. And, you know, I think probably the question I would ask then, your senior in your organization, um, I'm, well, I'm both. Okay, so I'm senior in, in some organizations that I'm involved with and very junior in others. And how do you keep yourself accountable? If we take apart, take away this sort of corporate structure, what do you use to keep yourself accountable? Yeah, that that's a really good question. And, and kind of the key to where we are going with this discussion, I, I use internal accountability, which really really comes down to my systems. 
here's what I need to do. Everything gets documented. My weekly review is where I kind of hold myself accountable. I've always looked, I, I got an idea from uh, a book that I've referenced before, Triggers by Marshall Goldsmith. Mm -hmm. uh, and his idea is that you have a daily tracker. And he also recommends that you report whatever you report on your daily tracker to a trusted accountability partner. And I've really liked that idea, but I've never found myself with the right person to be burdened with that for, for me. It's something I'd even invest in is here. I will pay you X amount, uh, on a monthly basis to be my accountability partner. If I don't tell you what I'm, what I'm self-reporting, then you're okay to follow up with me. You know, maybe that's putting a notification back on my phone, but in a way that makes sense. Or, you know, if my daily tracker or my, my self-reported, um, accountability is showing trends, maybe you could push back. Hey, I noticed that you're not doing well on this area. Uh, why do you think that is? And, and sort of question and, and be accountable. I, I think that's a, that would be an absolutely wonderful opportunity to have. And I'm not sure how you get that with somebody though. It's a, it's a very personal thing. You've got to have a huge amount of trust. It can't be, I think anybody in an organization, perhaps a peer in an organization, but politics in organizations are so very difficult, um, you know, to really hold yourself accountable. I'd like to have that you know, somewhat as an external trust person that you can be completely open, maybe a therapist. I've never been that route, but, um, I've been told I should do many times in my life, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> that, that would be the way to do that in, in reality, what it comes down to is a very, very brutal assessment of my own goals, listing out your goals, listing out what you want to do. And be brutally honest when you don't get to it or you do get to it, you know, allow yourself a pat on the back mm. or allow yourself to look at what you didn't do and dig into those reasons. Am I, am I resisting this particular task? Why am I resisting it? Because it's uncomfortable because I don't want to have that conversation because I don't like doing this type of work. What can you do then to pick that up? And that, and that takes a lot of navel gazing to really do it on your own. How about you, Stu? Uh, do, what do you use for personal accountability? Well, I mean, the first thing is I think we probably owe the listeners, we're going to have to do some sort of experiment along the lines that you've just outlined, but we'll talk about that offline. Mm. Um, the, what, I, what I tend to do or what I've been doing recently, my accountability partner is an index card. Mm -hmm. um, she doesn't say much, in fairness, but... Um, I've, I'm, this is partly for Nero's, I'm developing a sort of system, um, but it's partly, as you say, it's about finding a way of laying an assessment grid over my own work, because I, I sit here in my little office, nobody else comes in here. Um, I have, you know, various partners, clients, businesses that I'm involved with in different ways. Probably everybody from those businesses would go, well, I don't know when he's at work. I don't, I don't know what he does. I don't know how long he does it for. I have no idea. Um, 
just because that's kind of the nature of consultants that are in and out. Um, so I've, I've started this system now where the, towards the end of each working day, I create an index card for tomorrow. So I write in any scheduled meetings uh, on a sort of you know, quasi timeline. I'm still working out how that's going to look. And I write down um, well, the current iteration. We have Keystone, Big Rocks, Pebbles. Mm. So uh, Keystone is one task because I'm, I'm into my semantics. The word priority is singular. Okay. I appreciate that over the Atlantic, it got a little bit confused and everybody started talking about having priorities. That's impossible. <laughs> a priority is the most important thing. Singular. Well, we get rid of all your use, so we add a few S's at the end of things. It's, <laughs> exactly. it's fine. So, so um, the one thing, my keystone task that I'm going to get done in the day. That's that's what I want to do. And then uh, Big Rocks, you know, comes from, is it Stephen Covey, was it? Stephen Covey, yeah. Yeah. So those sort of bigger tasks that, you know, I know need to be done because they're part of what I do. So, you know, pulling putting together my accounts, for, for example. Uh, and then the little pebbles, so the little bits that I might need to do around. And if you like, the the first task, that priority task, that keystone is mandatory, uh, and then we get less and less dictatorial as we go down the list. Um, they depend on what time's available, you know, how things are going. <laughs> so I would consider a day a success if I get the keystone done. It's a low bar, I know. I'm saying one task. Now, generally, that might be quite a big task, but nevertheless... That's what I'm set myself to do. And then that index card goes into my little analog holder uh, at the moment. I'm sure I'll design one that's more expensive <laughs> that, that sits under my monitor and, and sits in front of me all day. So I'm, I'm trying to sort of look at that and go, okay, if I'm, if I'm not working on my Keystone project, then, then it's there looking at me going, why aren't you working on me? Why aren't you working on me? Because like everyone else, I, I can very actively procrastinate. I can be incredibly busy without actually ever doing anything. Mm -hmm. One question I do have for you, Stu. Mm. This is something that I challenge myself on. Daily accountability is great. How do you tie that in to your longer term goals and provide accountability for those? Um, the only way I've found of doing this is to to stick with that i mean this is a, an episode or 40 on 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 its own but it's to stick with that sort of broad brush strokes not quite satisfactory approach of i need to start at a year and i need to get to a day mm -hmm. so i need all of that which is you know where do i want to be in a year on area a b c d e and f and then, uh, as you suggested earlier, I might actually say, actually, let's cut, me, let's cut that down into quarters. Let's cut that down into to 13 weeks or 12 weeks and a week off. Where do I want to be in that quarter? And that might even come down then to months, and that might even come down to weeks, but I doubt it, where I want to create a very direct, measurable line from big goal to next action. Mm -hmm. And... I try not, because this has happened to me before, I've, I don't want that to become a 20 hours a week job to manage all of those tasks and, and uh, tracking them. Yep. 
I, I'm creating that sort of loose idea of, okay, business A will be doing X, Y, and Z by the end of the year. And that means that project A and B need to go in the first quarter and C in the second and nothing in the third and D and E in the fourth. And try and, it, it is that vague until I get back to, to the daily stuff because the daily stuff is actually what makes the wheel turn. Yeah. And it's not satisfactory. And I, I, I do lots of research. So right now I'm doing the Focus Course Academy with, um, with Sean Blanc uh, for the second time in about six months as, as one of the alumni. You get, you get a deal. Um, and I'm finding that really useful. And this is helping me develop my thoughts and my, my sort of key values. You know, it's, it's a holistic approach to the whole thing. So I would recommend it. Go and, go and check it out, guys. But... Um, Bringing that down to how do I create that accountability? As I said, you know, we, we can talk about how we might be able to do that. But right now what I'm doing is looking at this little, little task card and saying, okay, let's get that one thing. And I'm looking at today's, you know, grumpy because I know that my key task, I didn't get done. I've, I've got reasons. I'm okay. I understand why I didn't get done because life sometimes happens. But already for tomorrow's uh, card, it's been carried over. And there's a little note as to why I've sort of made it. I've, I've written an excuse to the teacher you know, <laughs> of why my homework didn't get done. Uh, because that does happen, you know. So I lost internet uh, connectivity most of the day. All my websites are down. I've got DNS issues. You know, everything's blah. Uh, that kind of happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and also I had a man building a kitchen who needed me to go and get some shelves. Otherwise my wife would be angry. And if my wife's angry, my life's not worth living. So, you know, all of those types yep. of things happen. No, that one. Um, but yeah, that's my, my tool at the moment. And I'm looking to develop that a bit further. And the thing that I've been discovering through, through my research, uh, is very much as you suggested. So, uh, this is very much on the, on the Western side of the Atlantic. This is a big thing. Masterminds. I'm sure you, you're familiar with the concept. I am. Yes. Um, not so, so huge in Europe or if they are, I completely miss them. And so, um, I'm really interested. I'm in one at the moment. Uh, not one that I would have sort of chosen, uh, if, if you see what I mean. So the people that are in it, we're all very, very different, which might be a strength actually, but is not the traditional mastermind where you find people with similar challenges, you know, uh, you know, either a little bit further on the, the journey than you or a little bit before you, and you try and sort of mentor each other and mentee each other. But I find that really, really interesting. Mm, I, I'm going to say not necessarily because of the other people. But because of the discipline that uh, it forces you to to do, so if you know you're going to sit down for an hour and discuss your week, and you're going to get your 15 minutes, and the end of your 15 minutes, you're going to say, okay, yeah, and, and these are the things I'm planning to do for next week. You know, you are creating that accountability, and you have to sit there with others and say why it did or didn't happen. Uh, and I've, I've found that more powerful than I thought it would be. Hmm. I mean, obviously, you could just make it all up anyway. You could just invent things so uh, i am curious because i know you do the daily huddle with your with one of your teams uh -huh. how different is it to have this mastermind group and accountability on a weekly basis versus the daily huddle for accountability with the team well uh, the daily huddle with accountability i i don't go that would be a reason <laughs> yep i've already uh, i've already moved it to yep I'll, I'll do the monday one and i'll do the friday one and you know that's that's fine. That's never been a part of 
the, you know, the, it's a legacy system from when they used to meet in the office, and I, I came along after that. But I think the key difference is uh, all of the politics you're talking about. So um, I'm I'm sitting in a business where they've taken me on to do something, and then the world shut. Mm. And so all of the things that I I would uh, would be doing for them, I can't. They can't be done. They can't physically happen right now because of the pandemic. However, the company was wanting me to do other things alongside and blah, blah. So I've, I automatically, because I consider myself a high achiever, I feel very embarrassed that I haven't actually done anything. <laughs> you know, for someone who's interested in results, what are the results? Well, we're still closed. The country's closed. <laughs> Sorry. So there's that part of it. And also, it's as you said, you know, you, you don't want to have that type of vulnerable conversation with someone who holds sway within your professional life. Your accountability partner within the company is very, very difficult mm-hmm. because of the, you know, the, the possible power relationships, the possible competitive dynamic. All of those things are just really, really awkward. You can, you can end up putting somebody on the spot. Yep. You know, if, what, if one of your juniors is saying, well, and the thing is, Justin, I just really don't like the job. You are thinking, oh, okay, I need to do something about that because I'm the manager. Um, so automatically you remove that honesty. Whereas these people, I mean, I'm talking to, uh, one of them is a pastor from LA. Another one runs an after-school fine art and Bible study co-op. And another is a homemaker, mother of four, in texas cool so just a really diverse group yeah i you know, one thing I've, I've i've discovered is that american people are very religious you know we we don't share any sort of circles that we're moving mm-hmm. sure we we face very similar challenges i think but it's much easier to be open and talk about what we're doing and why we're doing it and also i get you know, it's much more interesting mm-hmm. Very much sort of what I was talking about when uh, I was talking about uh, Marshall Goldsmith recommend an accountability partner. It's got to be somebody trusted and external Mm. and somebody that you can be vulnerable with. Yeah. I mean, I think the vulnerability thing is huge because ultimately you're sitting there saying, you know, I wanted to do this thing and I didn't do it. And a good vulnerability partner is going to turn around, vulnerability, sorry, a good (laughs) accountability partner is going to turn around you and say, why didn't you do it? (laughs) Very cool. All right, let's uh, close this up because I see the time is getting away from us. Uh, what are your takeaways this week, Stu? Results. No surprise to anyone. I think that when you're looking at accountability, the final result is an objective fact. It's undeniable. I don't think you use that as something to beat yourself with. For example, I have not achieved my one task today that I really wanted to achieve. Mm-hmm. And that's annoying, but I understand why it happened. I made decisions and choices as to why it happened, uh, and I will carry it forward. But it's very, very solid. And I think in the past, I would often just be a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit depressed. I mean, oh, I'm not getting anything done, frustrated. Whereas now I can say, okay, I didn't get that done because of this. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Move on. Mm-hmm. Let the rest of my life be happy. What about you? So mine is a good external accountability system is critical for your internal motivation. So the idea behind that is find something and it may not be 
every task that you want to do. But let's say you want to lose weight, you want to quit smoking, you want to stop drinking, make it public, you know, tell the people in your life that this is what you're doing. I want to lose weight, I'm going to work out, and this is my goal in three months to have 10 pounds off. That external declaration will help you become internally motivated and internally uh, accountable for your own results. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that as much as we write on cards and keep ourselves going, sometimes telling the people that, that are in your life what you want to do within reason is a good way to, to drive your own behaviors. Absolutely. And I'm going to steal one, a bonus takeaway. Oh, all right. This one is from Sean Blanc, not from uh, Justin or me. Before you go to bed tonight, decide what clothes you're going to wear tomorrow and lay them out for yourself. So put them somewhere where they're convenient for you to put on tomorrow. Hmm. The reason that's important is because that is present you making a promise for future you and then future you delivering on that promise by taking those clothes and putting them on. And that's exactly what Justin is talking about. It's about making that commitment public or evident and then delivering on it. And that's a habit you want to get into. Hmm, interesting. I have to give that a try. There they go. It's, uh, it's all very good for the psychology, I'm told. Hmm. Uh, apparently, I'll have to make sure that uh, I put out my uh, dress uh, sweatpants, uh, the extra large ones from the other week. <laughs> exactly. Is it the blue sweatpants or the gray sweatpants? These are the decisions we face. All right. Uh, where can people find us on the internet, Stu? Uh, you can find me at stuartlennon.com or nerosnotes.co.uk. Uh, hopefully, by the time this goes to air, you will be able to find me at those places. <laughs> Yes, uh, DNS down. That's not a good thing to hear. At least you have power. That's uh, a positive. Mm -hmm. You can find me at justintwyfer.com. You can find me also at uh, Right Experience, which is when I'm not crazy busy trying to sell a house, um, a place that I write. Uh, please like reviews on your podcast catcher of choice. And we certainly appreciate any recommendations to your friends and colleagues who you think might get something out of our podcast. Our next topic is actually going to be on other podcasts that we listen to and can recommend. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.